HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the East Village and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2015. We've got some great guests today, including Lori and Dietrich from Indian Ladder Farms and Helderberg Hot Farm in upstate New York, and Joel from Three's Brewing. And I'd also like to welcome back our fall guest host, Stephen Vallon. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? So you guys just had a really cool uh, a launch party at Broken Brewery on Friday night. Yeah, speaking of hops, uh, we did an event uh, at Brooklyn Brewery uh, launching our Sriracha Ace beer making kit, a collaboration we did with uh, Brooklyn Brewery, so beer made with just a lot of uh, Sriracha Ace hops. That's great. Doing events at Brooklyn Brewery is really cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's really fan- It's a fantastic space, and I recommend anyone who hasn't been should uh, go and just uh, buy lots of tokens. Well, good, good luck with your, your kit, and I know, that I think one of the first shows in December, we'll have you on with Garrett Oliver talking about... The collaboration the kit that you guys made so that other people can make Sriracha Ace beer, man. Absolutely. All right. Great show. And Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. If you have questions, you can tweet us at beer underscore sessions. And if you really want to, you can call the studio if, if you're listening live, 718-497-2128. All right. In studio guests, we've got uh, Lori Ten Eich. And Dietrich Gehring, who we know as Indian Ladder Farms, but they also uh, they they wrote a book called The Hop Grower's Handbook, which is pretty awesome. It's covering everything you need to know about growing hops in the Northeast, right, Lori? All right, I'll give you. You, got, you guys need mics over there. That so. is correct, Jimmy. That's great. And you brought along Stuart Morris, who's a partner with the Indian Ladder Brewing. How are you, Stuart? Pretty good, Jimmy. Glad to be back. And then you guys are in town today. We'll, we'll, we'll go to what you guys actually did in town today. You guys are at Threes with a. Hey, Joel. How are you, Joel Ford? Yeah, good man, doing well. Good buddy. All right. So, Deidre, tell us about what you did today. You're in town. Well, we you wrote the book. You wrote the book. You guys are promoting your hops and well, we didn't actually all this cool today. It was about two weeks ago. We did a, um, a wet hop beer with threes. Um, we uh, brought down. Uh, we rushed down some beer, uh, some hops from the uh, farm to get them right in the kettle at the right time. And uh, and uh, today we're sampling some of that uh, some of that beer. We stopped over at threes and we. Grabbed Joel and the beer and came over. It's all right, man. So, Joel, what, what did you guys do with this beer? So, you tell us the process. They came to your brewery two weeks ago with fresh hops. Okay, yeah. And what did so, you guys do? So, this beer is our, our basically our here you go pale ale, but brewed with hops from Indian Lighter Farm that were picked the day before. So, it's our kind of our five and a half percent wheat pale ale with the addition of and we'll let Dietrich talk more about the hops that uh, that we use for this but we use the hops in the boil as bittering finishing additions and a big addition using our mash tun as a hop act so extracting you know maximum hop flavor out of these really really fresh hops that we don't get a chance to use yeah mostly it was uh, well there was 132 pounds of uh, wet hops that we brought down uh, the, the bulk of it was uh, nugget and uh, brewer's gold but 
We also uh, had some Cascade and um, some uh, Chinook in there, um, which I think I think the Chinook is probably what's giving it that that little bit of um, that orange orangey feel, you know, and the taste in your mouth, which which I I'm quite pleased about. Well, that's great. Well, that's definitely going to get us through the show. We're going to be drinking some threes and then some some beer that you also made. Yeah, we, we brought down an estate beer that we made in June. Um, it's all, we grew the barley, we grew the hops, uh, we even uh, cultivated the yeast off some uh, blueberries, and uh, the rhubarb and strawberries came from the farm as well, and uh, we're, we're pretty pleased with it. So you guys have done a couple other collaborations with Threes, haven't you? Or was it Other Half as well? Uh, other Half made a, uh, a, a stout uh, last uh, last fall that uh, we were very pleased with, and that was that was almost all. Um, uh, well, it used our grain, um, and uh, it used uh, a lot of Brewers Gold, which uh, Sam. Um, Richardson, uh, we were we were hoping he was going to do an IPA, and once he smelled the Brewer's Gold, he said, "Oh, this has a this has a really wonderful uh, um, current kind of smell to it. It'll be great in a stout." And uh, you know, if Sam says that's what he wants to do, that's what yeah, he wants only to Sam. Do. <laughs> I remember that came out. It was the Indian Indian Ladder. It was Indian Ladder Stout. Stout. Yeah, and uh, it was it, it was very popular. In fact, uh, he said, "Well, we'll give you five kegs," and we came down to get our kegs, and they had sold all of them. So. <laughs> Let's take a step back. So, you know, you, you, you're growing hops, and, and, and Lori, how did you guys start growing hops? Because, first of all, this is a great book, and we're going we're gonna to talk about the book because I love books. Thank you. Well, we started growing hops um, in a small scale in the garden about 25 years ago. Um, you know, always had a lifelong interest in beer and um, loved the hop plant. It's just a very unusual plant. Obviously, it grows extremely tall. Uh, if you provide it the vertical space. So we had a hop plant in our herb garden that took over the herb garden, and we fought it like crazy to try to tear it up and get rid of it, and it's really hard to get rid of. We transplanted it and grew it in a different part of the garden, and now it's, oh, how tall is that one? Oh, it's, it's like twenty. It's it's like twenty five feet tall, and um, it's twenty eight years old. So it, uh, it hops are an incredible plant. They'll grow to be you know they'll grow a hundred years, but their productive life's about twenty five. Yeah. So we were just growing them in the garden, and then um, you know my family has an orchard in Albany County where we have grow apples and all kinds of berries and fruits and vegetables, and we have a. A, a market and a pick your own and um this was a family business it's been in my family for about well i think i'm the fourth generation so uh, a couple like three thousand years <laughs> <laughs> yes we live Doesn't very feel that way i mean you, you pass down something from generations <laughs> yeah I mean... people in my family live extremely long <laughs> sometimes it does feel that way and the um what happened was my dad decided the farm is originally made of five farms that my great-grandfather bought um, back in 1915, and my father decided to take break out one of those farms again and uh, gave it to us as sort of an early inheritance. So we then owned this piece of farmland, and we were trying to figure out what to do with it. And um, Dater started to get interested in growing hops, and the state um, had the farm brewery law, and it all just seemed to sort of fall into place that we were going to start growing hops on a larger scale. Yep. Um, before we jumped in, we did start with a very small, like, eighth of an acre sort of pilot hop yard. So we tried it out, putting up the trellis and growing the hops, and, and now we're about at an acre, full acre. So if you wanted to grow hops, you should start small. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah, you got to get your feet wet. and in order, you got to get your feet wet to understand, you know, <clears throat> about the plant. Because it's, it's like anything, you know, anything that you grow as a hobby does really well. If you're growing tomatoes, you know, you can grow those beautiful tomatoes on your porch. And if you're growing... It's like, look, Ma. Uh, yeah, your, your pet hop, you know, in your yard, it does really well. And as soon as you, you bump up to, you know, a hundred of them or a thousand of them, uh, you discover um, it's suddenly farming. <laughs> And Stuart's laughing over here. You've been, so you're part of this, too. You got- yeah. Well, I started with these guys. We were working in a beer store in Boston 30 years ago, maybe. Yeah, college. So we've come a long way. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real uh, learning experience for sure. You know, now we're, we're becoming a regional hop um, processing farm. So, you know, we're, we're just we're trying to – we're doing seven projects right now and. It's it's exciting. I know we've had you on before, and I know you're, you're going to be opening a tasting room and, and a lot of other things. But let's go back to growing hops. So, you guys go, Stephen. Have you ever grown hops? 
We have. Um, yeah, we we live in a loft in downtown Brooklyn, so we've actually grown them indoors and outdoors. Um, we have like twelve foot ceilings, and uh, we always say that hops are the the coolest thing to grow with kids. If you didn't mind the you know teaching them about alcohol, but they really grow centimeters a day, and it just they look they're they're pretty amazing to watch uh, grow. And um, yeah, we had them. They reached the ceiling, then started falling back to the ground. Stuart showing me scars <laughs> on his arm. What is that from? Yesterday was our last hop harvest. They uh, get pretty bushy towards the end, and uh, so it's a wrestling match. That's what the, that's what we uh, call the kiss of the hop. Um, hops have uh, what are the, <clears throat> there's a difference between uh, uh, vines and binds. So grapes uh, are, are considered vines, and they have uh, tendrils, and that's how they pull themselves up and grow up onto the trellis. Well, um, uh, hops are, are binds, and they don't have tendrils. What they have are, are trichomes, and they look like little anvils. They're microscopic, um, and that's how they pull themselves up. And uh, it will also pull through your skin, too, as you're trying to maneuver them around. And, and we picked about you know 100 pounds yesterday. And uh, when it's hot out, you are foolish and you don't wear a long sleeve shirt and you get your arms all torn up. So how, how do you har- how do you harvest hops? Um, well, let's say we have one plant that I only have one plant I want to harvest. Well, we cut it at the bottom. We cut it at about three feet off the ground because we want to leave a little bit of the plant behind um, for photosynthesis, so the uh, plant can still you know because you're kind of cutting the plant at its prime. So we don't want to cut it at the ground. So we cut it about three four feet. Um, then we cut it at the top, um, and then there's two ways you can go. You know, if you are just have a few plants, you get your friends together and you hand pick, and uh, you're all done. If you have a thousand plants, you need a machine because you don't have that many friends. I don't care who you are. And then what? Do you, do you still have to cut them and just walk us through this, man? Because you know, I've I've never harvested hops. So. Well, for us, we we cut them. You know, like I said, top uh, top and bottom, and we throw them onto a truck and we bring them into. Um, we just purchased a uh, wolf hop uh, processor from Germany. Uh, there really aren't many small-scale hop processing machines available in the United States, so we had to buy one. Uh, ours is a 1974 vintage. Um, it w- arrived on our farm in January, um, and we spent the last uh, eight months getting it going. How big um, is it? You know, the thing weighs about five tons. It's 18 feet tall. Um, it had to be lifted off the truck with a crane and brought in, and then uh, it's all the instructions are in German, and it needs to be put back together. <laughs> and, when, and when you say uh, processor, what, what exactly does it do? The processor, all, all it does is it, it has um, these picking drums in it that spin, and uh, it pulls all the leaves and the cones off. Uh, you know, the cones are what we want. Um, uh, that, that's the product we want. It's what the brewer wants. The lupulin is inside the cones, you know, the brewer's gold. And uh, so we want to get that the leaves, the bind, and the cones separated. So the machine basically does that. It pulls the leaves and the cones off, separates them, takes the bind and the, the string that we grow it on, chops that up as waste, and separates the leaves and the cones. And then it has to go into drying at that point. Um, and, and and that's a whole you know another process after that. I mean, you can you can lose your whole crop if you don't condition your hops properly um, after they're picked. So there's a lot of hands-on work. I just imagine these hop harvesters with like went down the rows and some and do. They do. Some do. Um, and, and, and it depends on uh, the scale of the farm. Um, like there's in England, they use um, they use machines that go down the rows for dwarf hops, where they grow on short trellises. Out in Yakima, they have something called the uh, Yakima Hop Harvester, which is basically a giant combine that goes through the field. Um, but that those are specific to those areas. But most of the world uses something called a top cutter. So it's an actually a machine that um, it's like a sickle bar, and it cuts the hops off. They fall in the truck, and then they bring them into a facility that looks like it's the size of a warehouse. You know, these, it'll be the warehouse is like you know 500 by you know 300, and the machines are like a million dollars. It's essentially like our wolf hop hop harvester, but you know on steroids, and you can walk around inside it. Amazing. All right, and Laura, what for you like? You know, you grew up on an orchard, you grew up on a farm. You know, what is it for you growing hops and this whole culture of beer and 
all these guys around you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is a really good question. Uh, fortunately, in my life, uh, we have a lot of friends and a lot of guy friends and guys sitting around drinking beer has been the norm, wouldn't you say, Stuart, since we worked at Forever. the uh, liquor store in Boston. So I'm pretty used to that. Um, now, at least they're being productive. For, to a certain extent because they're doing some work. And so that's an improvement. Um, for me, it's interesting because I grew up on this orchard and um, I have always been around all the activities of harvest, which is, you know, picking apples, bins of apples moving through the orchard, pressing cider, um, a lot of customers coming and going. And uh, now there's a new element where we're picking a new crop and there's new smells and sounds and sights associated with it and it's really been interesting do you have some uh public events coming up where people can visit the farm well uh indian ladder farms is open uh from may through december uh seven days a week and um right now is the time to come if you want to pick apples and pumpkins and we have people coming in droves and um it's a great place to go in the fall as we said, we just finished the hop harvest, so the hop vines are cut down. But you can still see the hop yard, and if anybody wants to stop by, we'd be happy to show them around the hop harvesting machine and, um, you know, it's the barley and the combines and all the things that we do for that end, too. All right. We got off to a good start on the show. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. In 1996, El Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're drinking this great beer from Three's Brewery that uh, jo- Joel here made with uh, with Dieter and the Stewart with some of your great fresh hops from Indian Ladder Forms. Man, this is amazing stuff. It's really good. And this is what I love about beer. And people talk about what's your favorite. I'm so, I, I, nothing against pumpkin beer, but I'm not really a big fan of pumpkin beer. People ask me what's my fall beer. It's fresh hop beer, guys. That's right. That's right. So, um, but you guys need hops to make them, and so tell, tell us more about the process of making this fresh hop beer because I'm still don't always understand, you know, what fresh hop beer is or wet hop beer, and uh, for me, it's I, I love the flavors of it, but I don't even really know how you make it. And Joel, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, wet hop beer is probably still the really only true seasonal beer that exists in today's day and age. I mean, these hops have to be used, you know, within 48 hours of being picked to, you know, really classify as a wet hop beer. Yeah, because they'll, they'll start heating up and deteriorating, you know, within that period if, you know, we don't get them in the kettle right away. So it's it really is the most, you know, seasonal of the beers. I mean, it's, we, we threw them in a cooler and drove, you know, right down here to get them in. And, um I know that uh, you guys did a beer with John Condizales too, and they were kind of they were kind of waiting it out. John was still picking, and they were you know he's a Long, Long Island hot quick. Yeah, he's yeah. a Long right. Island. He's a friend of ours, and and uh, in fact, he brokered our deal with uh, with our wolf. So we 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 commiserate a lot on uh, breakdowns and uh, and uh, bugs and things. <laughs> yeah, when he was uh, when he was there, we were brewing with his hops. He was talking with you on the phone, actually. I think <laughs> that that's probably true. We we had uh, uh, we were our our harvester. Was up six days uh, prior to uh, picking, and uh, we had a few. We had a few hiccups along the way, so we got a few emergency calls to John. John, why doesn't it work? You know, <laughs> so now, like now you're learning how to make beer with fresh hops. But let's go way back. So you started growing hops in your garden, 
But when you when you were first, you know, trying to become, you know, farmers of hops, what were you up against? Because this isn't Yakima, but this is like the great New York State. New York used to be the yeah, New York hop State. Well, New York State grew eighty percent of the hops in the country. You know, up until you know about the the eighteen nineties. And you know, like I like to say, you know, it's like if you're becoming a hop farmer, um, you can you don't have the advantages that other farmers have. So if you want to be a dairy farmer in New York State, um, you know, you're 30 years old, you say, I'm going to be a dairy farmer. You can go ask the old dude down the street and he'll be really happy to help you. There's all sorts of information, a co- cooperative extension and, you know, more than enough people to help you. If you want to be a hop farmer. Unfortunately, all the old dudes died 100 years ago. So, you know, Cooperative Extension has been helpful, and Cornell's been helpful, and UVM's been helpful, but there's not that those little nuanced knowledge that you need to know. And, and up until, you know, Lorraine and I worked on this book, the, the information was really scattered all over the place. I mean, there's information in Oregon, there's information in Michigan, and, and, and what this book really does is it pulls it all together into one easy thing. I think Steve Miller who's the extension agent at Madison County really, you know, kind of summed it up in his thing. He said up until now there was never really a cookbook. You know, um, you really had to search the internet to find the information and and frankly some of it was not correct. So what what are the challenges you had in growing hops in in New York that you don't get in Yakima Valley? Oh, well, um, the main thing is the weather. Um, the, the kind of insects and diseases that impact hops uh, flourish in a humid environment. And um, the reason why people started growing hops out west, Yakima Valley, it's a valley, but it's actually a high-elevation desert. If you go out there, there's absolutely nothing growing except where it's irrigated. There's no moisture in the air whatsoever, and it practically never rains. They get eight inches a year. And in Yakima Valley, there are almost essentially canals of irrigation. I mean, it's pretty yes, incredible it's the, to see. The Yakima River comes down from the Cascade Mountains. It's basically fed by snowmelt. Now, with uh, the reduction in snow, their water source is going to be in jeopardy. But um, all of that water from the Yakima River is, as, as you say, is delivered via canals, a system of canals directly to the hop yards. And... Um, delivered to the hop plants through irrigation. Uh, The thing that's funny about hop plants is they demand a huge amount of water, but they absolutely hate to be wet. And when they're actually wet above ground, that's when diseases like downy mildew, which is one of our serious problems, um, that's when they become active because they travel through the water on the surface of the leaf. So one of the secrets of growing hops is to try to get them enough water Get them in a location where you can give them enough water, but they don't actually become wet, and there's not a lot of moisture on them. Right. And and they also don't like wet feet, so they have to have very well-drained soil. They root very deep, and they don't want to have, you know, moist roots. Um, they can't sit in, in any kind of wet. So it is kind of ironic. You know, they want an inch and a half of water, you know, a week, and, uh, and they're growing them in a place that gets eight inches a year. Okay, so... I want to grow some hops. I'm reading your book, and then what's going to happen? You know, the first first time out after after a couple of years, I got some hops, and I'm, I think okay. I'm starting making money. Well, you know, first, well, you can't make money if you're only growing a couple hops. So that's not going to happen. There's two different worlds. There's the world of trying to grow some hops for home brewing and in your garden for fun, and that's actually pretty doable. Um, hops are really, really vigorous, and they're really hard to kill. And if you don't get a lot of them in one place, the diseases and insects that come to you will probably be minimal. Once you start expanding to a certain level where there's enough of them, then you're going to start to draw in the pests that thrive in that environment, and it gets a lot more complicated. Um, one of the things we did with the book, one of the problems we found in uh, doing research when we started growing hops was a lot of the information, because there are no hop farmers, I mean, there's a few now, but there aren't. there is not an industry in the Northeast, a lot of the information was written by agronomists and scientists who work for universities, and it was extremely technical. And, you know, you may have common sense about growing something, but if you don't know all of the lingo, it gets very confusing. So one of the things we tried to do in the book is really break everything down into really simple language that everybody can understand. And um, if you want to start growing hops commercially, I... As we said, I would recommend starting on a very small scale. 
um, like an eighth of an acre, you know, maybe with like 50 plants or something like that. Right. And um, the other thing is to start slow. Um, take the time, instead of just throwing all your hot plants in the ground, take the time to prepare the soil because they need a lot of nitrogen and they need a lot of organic matter in the soil. And another problem is you have to be able to fight the weeds because if you don't plant cover crops first and choke out all those weed seeds and all the root systems of the weeds before you plant, then those weeds are going to come on like crazy, and it's going to be really hard to fight them. And what they do is they create a very human environment on the ground that's conducive to the spread of disease. So I would take like a year, plant cover crops, prepare your soil, choke out the weeds, build up the organic level and then truthfully i would put up the trellis first some people don't um put up your trellis system first uh, which involves putting in poles and cable and hanging the string and plant your hop rhizomes in the ground and you'll have a place to train them when they start to grow it's funny last night we had a great party here at heritage network at roberta's it was the launch of the the new website jack insley was djing and you can see if you go to the website it, it's, it's a lot more dynamic. You can go to the Beer Sessions radio page and see all the shows and everything. But what was so cool is a guy came up to me who I knew for years. He said, hey, man, I'm thinking about growing hops upstate. And I started telling him, I said, well, I guess, you know, he, he, and he actually thought that he was be able to grow hops and make money. Well, that's tough. Uh, it's it, Because it's... It is farming, and, and you know, growing an acre of hops is you know, it's a thousand plants. It's it's a it's a huge startup cost. You know, if you're looking at putting up your trellising, putting up your trellising, buying your plants, your irrigation, your fertigation, and all that is is about you know fifteen thousand dollars. That's that's just to get in the game, and and then you're you're looking at a return on on that of about three years. So. Um, and, and not to mention that you're going to need equipment such as tractors and sprayers and like that. So really to make money, um, you really need about five acres. And, and, and that's, a, that's a big nut, you know, to, uh, to, to overcome. Um, it's not that it can't be done. A lot, of, uh, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people that are doing it um, are already in the game. Um, they are either, you know, own, own orchards or... Um, or uh, vineyards in the Finger Lakes because they already have um, the base of the equipment to, to start up. Um, so that's why we kind of say, you know, it's, it's better to start slow and build towards that because you can, you know, if you can get your soil, and, and we can't stress this enough from, from our experience, um, uh, the hops that we, uh, we have four yards now um, that we've put in over four years, and the ones that are doing way better are the ones that we took the time to prepare the soil, you know, a year to two years in advance. And, you know, people are very excited, and we understand that, you know. And they say, I want to put my plants in the ground now. And it's like, well, you're just, you're, you're, you're looking for trouble down the road. So it, it's, be patient, it, it would be my, my uh, best advice. I never thought patience would be part of farming. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, there's a lot of patience in farming, and um, you, you have to um, also not be risk-averse. <laughs> One thing is that you know, with the different New York State new laws of farm brewery licenses and stuff, people are really excited about you know having beers made with New York State grains and hops, and we've been part of that in New York City Beer Week. We host an event, New York City Brewer's Choice, and now a number of brewers are making batches of beer for you know with all new york state ingredients and um what, what i'm trying to say is um w- there's naysayers out there too like you know there's there's some new brewers are saying oh new york state's not going to be able to make the hops or the malt that that, that we really need in, in the quantities so we're not even gonna not even gonna th- think about using that so what's the benefits of new york state growing hops and, and bringing back that that well, culture uh, you know uh the naysayers that you know I have I have a bit of a problem with is because you know it's like you're you're saying uh, all of a sudden it's like well here's an industry that disappeared a hundred years ago um, we'd like your hops tomorrow to be as good as Yakima well that's not going to happen I mean it's going to take some time for uh, the farmers to get on you know to it's going to take several seasons um, for us to 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 get up to speed. Um, and, and Jimmy's just run out of beer. If someone could help him, that would be really, really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, and and I think in in the four years that we've been growing hops, I mean we've we've overcome some tremendous hurdles, and now we have a pretty you know a really good product. I think. Yeah. Um, and the same is going to be. We can vouch for with, that. You know, and <laughs> and Joel's right. Joel, what do you want to? Say? He, he just yeah, grabbed yeah. the mic, so he wants to say something as a brewer. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great to see someone like yourself committed to quality on something like this. It's like very nice to see you do, you brought down these hops that were fantastic. You can see they made good beer. Um, well, that's the, you know that's what we have to get to New York State. We're never going to be able to compete on quantity. We're never you know going to go up against Yakima or Willamette or Idaho or you know probably even Colorado. But but where I think we can compete is on a small scale is that we can we can have more attention to detail um, in in that you know. On, on one acre as opposed to a thousand acres, you know, you can almost, your hops are almost like pets. You know, e- each plant can be, you know, dealt with and so on. So, you know, you really have, you know, more control. Why don't you talk about the oil? And Yeah, and th- this is another thing that we're finding. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, I think that Joel can attest to this, you know, is, is that... Um, we're finding that our hops have much higher oil content than the hops out west. Um, when we have, when we send things out to Alpha Analytics, our oils come back for Cascade well above that, and I think Joel can can yeah, speak yeah, to that. Yeah, totally. No, I had to I had to clean up after the whole brew. Everything was sticky, and a few things were sticky for a few days till we got on top of everything. I, I'm all for it. I'll say from from especially last year's New York City Beer Week. Kelly Taylor had at least 10 New York City brewers making smash beers, state malt and state hops, 100% New York State you know, malt and hop beers. And those were the, the hands down the best beers that any of those breweries had ever made. You know, granted, they were a super small batch and everything, but I'm all for it. And, and I'm really glad you guys came on and I'm, I'm psyched about drinking your beer now. So, quick, what's this? Strawberry rhubarb. It's got this nice, nice hops. Uh, this, fresh hop flavor. Well, this is, this would be, I guess you'd consider this a smash beer. I mean, it's a, um, it's everything. It's a farmhouse beer. It's our basic farmhouse recipe, and we we added, uh, I don't know how many gallons of rhubarb slurry to it, and strawberries. I think there's like 30 pounds of strawberries in, in a 20 gallon batch, and uh, and we grew the. It's 100 percent Indian ladder barley malt, and uh, it's all our hops, and we even uh, cultivated uh, some the secondary yeast um, off of some blueberries that were grown on the farm and we now are growing up that yeast and are using it in some of our other beers. Well this is a fabulous show man. I also I, I love having a, a Dieter and Lori talk about what they're doing cuz their book the um there it is. The Hop Grower's Handbook is is really special and especially if you want to learn about growing hops. So we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. paying attention are you there hello 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 i'm talking to you hi hey this is jack insley i'm the executive producer here at heritage radio network i've been here at the station since 2009 and i cannot believe just how much this network has grown over that time we've been able to grow because of donations from people like you so if you're enjoying this if you laughed if you learned something contribute anything a dollar two dollars ten dollars a hundred dollars a thousand dollars anything counts and trust me we'll appreciate seeing your name come through on the donations so consider visiting heritageradionetwork.org click on that little beating heart the donate button and show us you care thanks for listening i hope you enjoy the rest of the show Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're talking about the Hop Growers Handbook, Lori and, and Dieter from Indian Ladder Farm. I would call it Indian River Farm, but... No, no, no river. How did you call it Indian Ladder? Where did that come from? Uh, it's a region. Um, it's actually Lori's great-grandfather named the farm. It's uh, There's an Indian Ladder Trail, and it was... It, uh, it was a historic. Uh, it's a historic spot, uh, basically, and uh, he named the farm after that. So you, you guys are... You went into growing hops, and you're you're becoming successful at it. Like you've taken time, and and you're and you're teaching other people how to do it in New York State. But this book is amazing. So, Stephen, what, what, there's something in that book that you want to ask a question, but I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious about because I know, I know there are lots of people out there that are like eyeing the internet for like patches of land and think that this can be their dream. And 
I'm, I'm wondering, when you do start uh, planting your hops, hops come in many varieties. Is it important to kind of stick to what you know will be good? Um, maybe like one of them? Or do you want to plant several and kind of see what yeah, grows well, best? Yeah, well... I think that uh, if you you know if you want to be successful in New York State is, is plant Cascade. Um, Cascade is a it's you know a, a hop that brewers want, um, and it's a very disease resistant and vigorous hop. So um, you want to have some success those first couple of years, you know. So that, and then start branching out into some of the others um, that are you know. There's a good list um, in the book, and also uh, it's online with Cornell that, that gives you um, an idea of disease-resistant hops. We, anything that is going to be um, resistant to downy mildew, which is the problem that we have in New York State because of the humidity. Um, so I would stick to disease-resistant plants as much as you can, but... Um, we we grow centennial and and centennial is uh, affected by uh, that but and it's feeble and weak um and it doesn't have high yield but then why do we grow it well it's a fantastic hop and you know brewers want it and so we are able we're willing to put up with the low yields on that um just to have something that's extraordinary Joel, as a brewer if, if, if you could just ask dieter i want these three hops for my next beer, what would you ask them to grow? Uh, probably all proprietary stuff. Yeah, thanks, Joel. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like we've talked about this before. You're kind of looking at some new stuff, some heritage stuff. Some yeah, we've um, we've been collecting some heritage varieties. Um, we're, we're, we've got a heritage yard on the farm where we're pretty much... Um, I kind of people are calling us all the time. Hey, I got this hop growing in my backyard. Um, so we try to get a little backstory from them. You know, oh, well, are you renting the place? Is that some homebrewer's cascade that was planted 20 years ago, or is it like an example of we got some hops that came out of a place near Delhi called Bovina Center, New York? Um, the hops are recorded in their Bible in, in 1820 when they bought the place that there were hops growing there. So we're like, well, yeah, we want some of that, you know. So we've been taking, we've got about six different hops that are taken from various parts in the state, and we're going to have some genetic testing done on them. And you know, the long-term goal I think for New York, New York State, is is like you know Joel is saying, the proprietary hops is what everybody, all the brewers want. They want the Citra, they want the Simcoe. Um, I can't grow those. I can't afford to grow. I can't afford to get the licensing to do it because I'm on such a, a small scale. Um, what we need in New York State is we need research money to go to Cornell to start a breeding program so that we can have, you know, a, a Citra or an Amarillo or something that is all New York State. Yeah, it would be really exciting to have something like that from the Northeast. You know. And most people might not realize that many hop varieties are actually possessions of other companies and right what would uh, what do people need to do to to make make that uh well i mean the reason there are possessions out there is because a lot of money and research money was put into it i mean the farmers got together as cooperatives and also worked with the universities so you know you can understand why they're proprietary i mean some of these farmers have put a hundred thousand dollars into developing that and they're not just going to give it to us <laughs> you know so um we we need to work along those uh, same lines you know whether it's getting money grant money from you know farm viability institute to start a long-term uh, research program and take some of these New York State hops and do a breeding program and, and get something. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're in it for the long term here. I mean, you know, uh, I think that, you know, 10 years down the road, we'll, we'll have something that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I just want to add that, you know, the state has been really proactive with the farm brewery law and creating a situation in which brewers can have special privileges and farms can make beer, uh, providing that they use hops and barley grown in the state. And this was really a very visionary, and it turns out a very transformative thing. But there also has to be an investment on the other side of the table into the agricultural research. Um, I think in the year the farm brewery law passed, there was uh, $40,000 given to Cornell by the state government to um, figure out how to grow hops. And you know what? That's not enough money. Um, I think the next year it went up to 80, but we really need to put in, invest some resources into bringing back New York State's hop agriculture 
as well as malting barley, which is perfectly possible for New York State farmers to grow, and they used to grow it, and they can grow it again. They just need um, some of the education and training to do it. And I think the more you guys do it, the more brewers will respond, and that's why we push our event, like New York City Brewers Choice, coming back up in February. And every brewer there is going to be working with, you know, some New York State farms. But let me ask you about these hops, because you, you've, if you're looking at Twitter right now, somebody's posted, there's our, our in-house wild boar in the studio here, and this, you've draped it with your fresh hops. And I'm, I'm just got a little piece, and I keep sniffing it. You know, what about this health and aromatic benefits of, of hops? Because there's a lot of history to hops, too. Yeah, Laurie can speak a little bit better to the medicinal uh, uh, properties of hops, can't you? <laughs> She's looking at me. Like, well, yeah, I mean, before hops were used in beer, and I'm talking like uh, in the year 1000, um, they were really more of a medicinal plant. Wait, that Dieter, were can you give me another wild. hop cone? I want to keep sniffing it. Yeah. It's pretty fun. <laughs> you know what's nice is if you uh, float them in your beer. True. Um, they found that hops were. Um, <laughs> we're just <laughs> throwing hops around. It's Things kind of are fun. getting a little crazy in here. Um, Hops have really strong antibacterial properties, and they're uh, good for treating infections. And one thing that was found out somewhere along the way was that when you started making beer with hops as opposed to other herbs, um, the hops were acted as a preservative. And this made the beer last longer, and it and expanded the trade in beer because beer could travel longer distances and go to other markets without spoiling. Um Hops also have um, a phytoestrogen component, which is basically um, compounds that mimic the effects of estrogen. And um, that's why, you know, nursing mothers have always been told to drink a beer while so you're nursing a baby. So this is the thing. Baby. Guinness is good. That's a real yeah. claim, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You could drink a, a stout, and it's good for your... Yeah, yeah it does. It, it's, it's healthy. The original um, Burt's Bees uh, deodorant uses hops. Well, well, yeah, that's that's I didn't know that. Even but better. <laughs> that's uh, that's perfect. I can um, just take this hop and rub it on my arms, and it's yeah, gonna, you know, it's all. I smell good for days. Listen, it's already starting to smell a lot better in here <laughs> now that you guys are tearing up the hop cones. Um, the other thing is, hops are soporific. They have sort of a property that makes you sleepy. You can take um, hop flowers and stuff pillows with them and sleep with your head on that pillow if you're insomniac, and it will help you fall asleep. Let's go back to the, 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 the beer, the Guinness is good for you. Remember that campaign? It was like, Guinness is good, and everyone's seen the vintage posters, and it was, it was geared towards nursing mothers, right? Yeah. So there is some truth to it. Yes, because the est- it's not estrogen, but it's called phytoestrogen, and it mimics estrogen. And um, if you in- ingest it, this, this compound that mimics estrogen... Uh, for a nursing mother, it helps the milk to start to flow, um, and that's why mothers were told to drink beer while they were nursing. This is amazing. I mean, I, you've seen that ad, and people have always joked, "Oh yeah, really? Is that is is stout good for for nursing mothers?" But that's great to know that. Yes, always drink true. responsibly. That's right. <laughs> Moderation. <laughs> it's good no, for babies. Drink too. a lot, and you know, <laughs> Guinness is good for you, right? Or something. Beer is good for you. Yeah. And then, uh, Steve, what do you think of all this, man? You know, you've been making beer kits for a long time, and would you ever be able to? What, what's the best hop you can put into a beer kit? Uh, it, it 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 definitely depends. Uh, most of our kits do use pelletized hops, and I guess that's also something I'm I'm wondering. Um, do you well, let's do you let's let's actually it? go back. Let's ask about from we're talking about the hop harvest. How you actually, the, the big issues you have, like drying the hops and how you do that. Yeah, right now our biggest issue is drying. Unfortunately, our dryers, um, our dryers came um, the day of harvest. Um, and again, uh, no instructions, everything's in German. So we ended up air drying everything, um, which is not, uh, which is great if you're on a small scale. Um, it, you know, it, it protects the lupulin and so on. But um, when you're at an acre drying by it with air and not using moisture, uh, heat um, really is not a good way to go. Uh, so next year we'll we'll have our dryers up and running. But right now everything we have is dry except for one seventy five pound batch that we harvested yesterday. Um, so after this, uh, we are taking everything out to uh, the, the Whipple Brothers out in, in uh, out near Rochester, and we're going to have everything pelletized. 
Um, there, there's several advantages to pelletization. Um, a, the brewers want pelletized. B, it makes the hops more stable, and um, uh, it also compacts them, so it's easier for us to store them. If we have to store 100-pound bales of you know, uh, hop cones, it just takes up a tremendous amount of space, whereas the pellets, uh, pellets don't. Um, it, it, it makes it easier for the brewers. Uh, brewers don't want to use cones, especially in a lot of the smaller systems. I know. Totally. That's. I know when I sometimes when I walk in, you know, uh, guys like Joel, you know, and they see me coming in with big bags of wet tops. They know they're staying late <laughs> because they got to clean <laughs> up true. the brewery, and you know, so they may not like me so much. Whereas they, I show up with bags of pellets, they're they're happier. Yeah, and <laughs> our walk-in where we store our hops would be happier as well. Right. Right, so we, we, we've gone to pelletizing. Um, we are probably, in the next couple of years, going to put in our own pelletizer just because, you know, driving <clears throat> driving a truckload or two truckloads of hops four hours one way is uh, is not economic sense. <laughs> Jill, what is it like for you? Though? I mean, I, we've heard about working with, what, fresh hops and cones versus the pellet. For, for working with the in, Indian ladder, I mean, is there a similar flavors between the pellets and the fresh well, I mean, like, the, the fresh hops we got from them have a whole lot of oils that haven't volatized in the whole drying and kilning process. And, you know, like, being packaged, you know, with 90% of the material, you know, being made into pellets. So there's some different oils that you don't normally get that are really fun. That's, like, why white hop beers, you know, almost no matter what the variety are, are different than their, you know, pelletized and or dried components. So it's it adds another dimension to flavor. I mean, if you're, you know, you're smelling a hop cone right now and it's, you know, it's, I'm indulging it's myself. I'm just like, yeah. I'm putting the, the hops in yeah. my nose. Yeah. Well, it's why wet hop, wet hop beer, like we said, is truly the seasonal beer because you know we just you can't have wet hop beer all year round because we just don't grow hops year round. <laughs> There's harvest. And that's it. And then what's coming down the pipeline? So you guys have a brewery, cidery. That's coming, but you're still waiting. Yeah, we're in the we're in the process of uh, getting permitted uh, by the federal government. We're we're very close. Um, it's going to be the Indian Ladder Farmstead Brewery and Cidery. Um, because of federal laws, they they don't really like the idea that we are a brewery and a cidery in the same building. So uh, it's been a stumbling block that we've had to negotiate with them over the last six months, and uh, they finally agreed that. Uh, we can be something called alternating premise. So one day we are a cidery, and after a 24-hour period, we are a brewery. <laughs> and not nothing in between. Well, it's good to see you guys breaking boundaries, you know? Come on. And, Stuart, come on. You're part of this thing, too. All so right, Well, I mean, the nice thing... As bad as it's been, and you'll, not be, getting, you'll be peddling beer soon, I'm sure. So, know. as bad as it's been waiting, he's going to be coming to, to Jimmy's forty. We've been able to get now. a lot of things done in the meantime. So, we've been really working on the infrastructure, working on you know building the brewery, the bar. We've been doing a hop school with a local beer distributor up in Albany, um, which has actually been a lot of fun. You know, and so. well, I'll tell you what, I've, I've had uh, your stout that you made with other half using your hops and. Just now the, with these fresh hop beers from, from three, so can't wait to try the beers that you guys you guys are making too. And the cider. And the cider. Steven, anything else you want to ask these guys? I'm, I really just want to dig into this book. Uh, I, <laughs> from everything I've uh, learned just in the past hour, I, I can't imagine how much more I'll learn uh, sitting down with this. Well, Lori, one, one final piece of advice. So, um, you know, like I said, the guy last night said, "Oh, I want to. I'm going to get some land and grow hops upstate and make money." What would you tell them to do first, besides reading your book? Oh, besides reading the book? Yeah. Well, that's going to be huge. And if, truthfully, not to to promote the book, but if we had had a book like this uh, when we first started out, it would have been a lot easier. Um, I think that the thing to remember, as I said, is to prep and start small. Um, but the, really, when you're a farmer, the, the real key is long-term optimism. And um, if you are a pessimist by nature or give up easily, it's probably not for you. But if you're willing to stick it out and think every year is a new year and just keep applying things that you learn every year, um, you will achieve some degree of success for sure. You know, is it an instant cash crop? No, it's not. It takes an investment of capital and time. It's a perennial that doesn't reach maturity for three years requires a lot of infrastructure um but it really can be done all right 
You guys really made a great show, and I've, I've been looking forward to this. And we're, Steve and I, we're going to fight over your book, and we're going <laughs> to take it home and read it. But it, it's pretty deep. This is, I think, everything you need to know about growing hops in the Northeast, and especially in New York State. Great book, great job. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Laura, Dieter, Stuart, Joel, and Stephen for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Justin Kennedy and Maggie Seiden, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, this is Jimmy Carboni of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, and we've been talking about the Hop Growers Handbook. Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting one. Hey, Stephen, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm Stephen from Brooklyn Beer Shop. So it's great we have you on all season. You're co-hosting with us, and uh, pleasure being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Some special guests who wrote the Hop Growers Handbook. Dieter and Lori, how are you guys? Yeah, Dietrich Kering from uh, the Indian Ladder Farmstead Brewery and Cidery. I'm co-author of the Hop Growers Handbook with, uh, with my wife. And this is uh, Laura Tenike. Same for me. Well, I'll tell you, I'm drinking your, your strawberry rhubarb beer that just, the, the, the nose is of this super fresh hops. And uh, that was what we talked about on our show, and, and we're looking forward to tasting a lot more beers. And Stuart Morris here from Indian Ladder Farms as well. Good to be back, Jimmy. Nice to see you. So what am I tasting when, when I'm when, in, in my glass? It's strawberry rhubarb beer, but it's, it's all hops. We are, uh, it's, it's a strawberry bomb, really. That's amazing. So, yeah. And then Joel from, from Threes. Dude, yeah. you, you guys just made a fresh hop beer with... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we brewed our uh, kind of rotating hop pale ale with uh, wet hops from Indian Ladder Farms. And uh, we just just came out today. So we're really excited about it. I'll tell you, it. next year we'll, we'll be after Hop Harvest, but this year we're just celebrating fresh hops and their great book, Hop Grows Handbook. You can catch us live each and every Tuesday night on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Beer Sessions Radio supported by Union Beer Distributors. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah. Woo!